Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, this is Martin Fowler, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Uprising podcast. I am your host today, Troy Lifehood, and with me, I have a very special guest. Ryan, uh, Ryan Ripley from Agile for Humans. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Troy, how's it going? Thanks for uh, having me. If anyone hasn't checked out Ryan's podcast, highly recommend. Um, it is called Agile for Humans. Is there a website people can reach you? Agileforhumans.com. There you go. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So um, so today we have a, a brief topic, and I, I wanted to started off talking about a series, an Agile Uprising series that we're starting. This is the first episode of the series um, about uh, things that possibly need some rethinking in the Agile space, right? For one reason or another, um, and today's episode is all about estimation forecasting, and in particular, story points. Um, And Ryan actually uh, had a a, a Twitter and a LinkedIn post (laughs) that was... I don't know if the controversial is the right word, but I think it's a fair word. Um, so, Ryan, do you want to talk about what happened? Uh, what did you write? What were the responses? And, and and what kind of caused you to write that? And, and were you surprised by any of the responses you saw? Yeah. So something that we've been saying at the end of almost every show on the Agile for Humans Network lately is that story points are trash. Okay. Um, and that's the catchphrase. And it's me having a little bit of fun. Uh, we get a lot of questions about story points and there's almost like a sense of frustration brewing in me over this idea of story points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at one point I said, you know what? They are just trash. And that led to a lot of you know comments on our, on our YouTube site. So yeah. if you go to youtube.com slash agile for humans, we have like, I think five or 600 videos on scrum and agile and Kanban topics and metrics and sure. tons and tons of free content. And one of them was, you know, what do you think about story points? Like we take a lot of, of viewer questions and we turn those questions into videos and I just, they're terrible. Right. You know, I right. think it's a horrible way to estimate. And, and by the way, I want to, at the outset, I am not advocating no estimates. I'm not okay. saying do not estimate. Okay. I, okay. I love forecasting. I love estimating work. I just think story points is is the second worst way to do it. First, we're, first the number one position goes to hours. Okay. Right? Fair enough. Yeah. Second worst way to do it, though, has to be story points. So we've been, you know, after we did this video, it got a lot of feedback, a lot of positive, some negative. And so I just double downed on it. Right. These sure. things are these things are trash and I'm tired of talking about them. It's 20 years later, 30 years later from when Ron Jeffries um supposedly co-created story points, which by the way, he's apologized for doing. Right. Um, and we're still talking about these things. And so 
the post on link we had our graphic artist come up with this really nice logo story points are trash and it's now t-shirts and stickers and um all sorts of fun stuff if you check out the youtube site you can go check all that stuff out but okay and we're not making money off these people are accusing us of monetizing we've got the price set on teespring to where we don't make much like we might make a buck right and it's really just um just for fun but right. uh these things are terrible and it's 20 30 years on and we're still teaching these mm. uh this method when there's so many better options uh available and that was the the genesis of the post it was this deep frustration. We got this great logo back from our designer. And I said, you know what? We're going to fire this shot across the bow and see what happens. The second part of your question was, am I surprised? Absolutely. <laughs> I cannot believe how passionate people are about a tool. It's like people falling in love with a hammer. Mm. You know, it's, it's you know, if, if some, you know, I'm just one voice out there. If I think it's a terrible, if I think story points are bad, so what? Right. But, uh, and the majority of people are liking this and retweeting it. And they're like, finally, we can talk about something else. But there is a a very vocal minority of people who are just livid that I would even dare um, besmirch the good name of story points. Yeah, that's interesting, right? So before we talk about why you think they're terrible and trash, maybe we should talk about why were they invented in the first place? Like, why would somebody invent them? Why would you use relative estimation, which is basically what story points are supposed to be? Is, um, yeah, my, my understanding. So, and after getting in some very long Twitter threads on this, Ron Jeffries jumped in hmm. and he basically said, look, this was a practice we used at one of the original XP shops. We were trying to get away from hours. We decided to estimate in these things called story points. It's relative estimation. Hmm. We're estimating, It's it used to be wideband Delphi. Right. Okay. So this is a very old practice. Yeah. Um, work is estimated relative to one another. They use Fibonacci to show an increasing level of effort, complexity, risk, whatever recipe you're using. And quite honestly, it, what was really fascinating is you said, look, in the beginning, uh, one story point was close to half of an ideal day. So they were using ideal day, half of an ideal day to think <laughs> about a story point. Right. And then that would progressively uh, move up through the Fibonacci sequence. Sure. And it worked great for them. And what he noted in a in a number of tweets is that it worked great there. Um, but it really was not meant to be this this best practice that should work beautifully everywhere. And, okay. and so the the genesis of the, the genesis of the idea was to get away from hours. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um but we just haven't but 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 if you look at that definition, that very early definition and then you try to look at how it's defined today. This is kind of drifting into this whole idea of why I think they're trash. If you ask 10 agile experts, you know, so-called thought leaders or whatever you want to call them, uh, what is a story point? You're going to get 10 different answers. Sure. Some people will say, oh, it's a way to measure the complexity uh, mm-hmm. of, of work using Fibonacci. And, you know, mm-hmm. even which, which Fibonacci sequence you use is different because someone went out and uh, trademarked one string of numbers. And I mean, the, the, the cards got crazy, but some say, <laughs> some say complexity, right? Some say it's effort. Some right. say it's effort and complexity. Some say, some say it's effort, complex, complexity and time. Some say it's time and complexity. Some say it's com- complexity and risk. Some say it's a combination of all four and other people have really bizarre ideas, uh, depending on who you ask. Like if you look okay. at Mike, Mike Cohn says their time, um, Ron Jeffries would tell you ideal days that's abstracted away from hours. Um, 
various bloggers out there would say that their capacity. Um, in any case, there's so many different definitions and ideas about what the heck they are. Yeah. And each trainer's teaching them somewhat differently. It's impossible to calibrate across the, the community about what the heck they actually are. Sure. And then when you start teaching these to teams, they're off reading blogs and books and they're getting 20 different ideas. And it just, it, it is endless frustration, especially from a trainer coaching, teaching perspective. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yep. Have you seen, uh, well, let me ask you this. Aside from the fact that everyone has a different answer, many people have different answers. Yep. Even in a perfect world, if everyone had the same exact answer, right? If everyone aligned exactly on what they are, why are they trash? They're a lagging indicator of capacity. Okay. And I find that to be next to useless. Okay, fair enough. I don't I don't care at the end of a period of time how much water the bucket held. Okay. Fair it enough. It doesn't help me. And then right. what and then you know, consider what we do with that that information, Troy. We take right. that information. So what's what was our lagging so what was our lagging capacity? Yeah. And then we're gonna average that. We'll take the 10 previous sprints. We're going to average that and use that to forecast. First of all, the flaw of averages should have ended this practice years ago. If you haven't read the book, go read the book. Right. Um, I'll give you an example of why averaging is such a horrible thing to do, especially in a probabilistic area. Love right. It. But but l- let me give you a, a clean example here. Sure. If, tw- if you and I and 25 of our, except for Merman, no Merman, but if okay. 25 of our best friends are sitting in a bar and Bill Gates walks in the bar, on average, we are all millionaires. <laughs> Sure, sure. Did any extra money get dropped in your wallet, Troy? No, no. It's, it's a really, I mean, and, and of course there's people, oh, that's not scientific. That's too simplistic. I agree, but it should illustrate the point. There yeah. is a serious flaw in averages, but that is exactly what modern day practice is for, for story point estimation, because then it turns into velocity. Sure. Right. So now we have this, you know, the average of our past 10 sprints. And it's just like, no, 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 this is not a way to probabilistically forecast work this is a lagging indicator of capacity yeah this is not something we want to forecast on especially when you have um far better options right i think dan vacanti's work when will it be done yep go read the book start using the flow metrics throw a little monte carlo simulation on top of your throughput and that's how you start using probabilistic forecasting looking to the future Right. right i mean that's if you really want to go into that space it's not a difficult book uh, Dan has done a nice job of toning down the math, toning down the difficulties. I wish I had it sitting here. Um, and really, uh, actually, I, ha- I do have it sitting here. So in case you don't know what the I've always I've got it pretty close. When will it be done by Dan Vacanti? There's a picture yeah. of Dan. He's a great guy. Reach yeah. out. Bug him on Twitter at Dan at Daniel Vacanti. He'll I'm yeah. sure he'll love all the tweets. Um, <laughs> he breaks it down beautifully, gives you a nice way to to work through this. And by the end of the book, you realize cycle time throughput, whip limits, and item aging give you everything you need to not only forecast, but to improve your system of work. And that's the other downfall of a story point, velocity setup, right? It tells you nothing about the way you're working. It gives you no indication of improvement. It gives you no indication of where you should be looking to try to remove bottlenecks or relieve issues. Now, some will say they're not designed to do that. Fair enough but why not use a superior tool that is and is also a better way to look at at a forecast? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'll pause there and take a breath while you. <laughs> well, you're preaching I get, the choir. I get here, fired up, right? I get, <laughs> I get fired up. I don't about know if you're preaching to the choir in the general and general audience, but um, okay. So I I love the example about the the average, right? There is a quote from the book, um, "The Flaw of Averages," uh, and um, I believe it's in that one. I I read it quite a while ago. I I should reread it that one actually again. Um, but uh, when will it be done? That one I've read a few times, and in that book. He talks, uh, Dan talks about averages and he, and he, and he has a famous quote, at least in my head is that forecasts based on averages fail on average. <laughs> and usually when I say that to people, they think, what does he mean by that? Right. And so I, there's an example in the book that I usually, when I do my trainings, I give this example and the simple quick version is if you had to be at a meeting at 9am and it was the most important meeting of your life, right? Um, how would you determine when you were going to leave your house, right? Um, would you use an average? That's a basic question, right? And I, I had, I, I was going through in my in my um, uh, AMP class, which is um, which is a Pro Kanban's metrics uh, applying metrics for predictability class. I, I I go over this example and in in much more detail with like numbers and things like that. But anyway, um, the gist of it is that you would never use an average because it's way too risky, right? And, yep. and we know that as humans, like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't just average all of my uh, trips and then say, oh, it takes me on average 30 minutes, so therefore I'm going to leave my house at 8.30, right? Of course you wouldn't do that. It's just too much risk. You know that inherently as a person. So why would we use averages for work that people are paying literally millions of dollars for products, for teams, and teams have dependencies on one another. And so forecasting is extremely important, not only for releasing, for planning releases, for the market, but also between teams and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's a practice we do. And we would never do that personally, actually. Right. Um, and it's kind of, in some ways, I've come around to the way you've, you've been describing it as a practice, which is really, in my opinion, outdated. Um, I understand why it exists, right? I understand how it was created to be a better version of estimating an hours. I totally get that, right? But where we've gone since then, um, I just think, you know, there's a better way, right? So maybe we could talk about what does it mean to think probabilistically? Um, do you want to talk about that? You know, I, I have a very simplistic view of it. Um, yeah. I'm not near as clever as Dan. I just look at it as the world is complex. There are millions of possible outcomes and probabilistic forecasting gives us an opportunity to quickly consider those possible outcomes and to basically assign a likelihood of those outcomes occurring. Mm. And as we do that, we can make new and better decisions based off of what those what that forecast looks like, right? right. We, we are basically looking at the probability of an event happening. Right. And we're looking at millions of events, especially when we throw Monte Carlo simulation on top of this. And so we are just looking at, you know, what are the odds of hitting this, you know, March 17th release date? Well, based right. off of our pass throughput and applying a million different um, scenarios to it. Uh, hey, it's it's a 90 percent possibility that we deliver by that date. Yeah. Hey, I like our odds, but how do we. So now you can make a decision. Yeah, We remove a few things that were kind of nice to haves and not necessary and bump up the probability of delivery. You would never add anything else because you're going to lower that number, right? So it, it just gives you that opportunity to look at reality uh, based off of, I mean, it is based off of your 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 past, um, right. past work, but it gives you an opportunity to look ahead and, and look at the probability of certain things happening. And I, and I think that's a simple way to look at it. There's a lot of complicated maths behind it sure. that 
I'm not smart enough to do. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, there's a tool called Actionable Agile that just spits out really good numbers and right. you can uh, make decisions from there. I mean, would, would your understanding be similar to what I laid out? Totally. And in the when you have more than one possible outcome, right? You should think probabilistically. And that just means that that recognizing that there's more than one possible outcome. So using something like a deterministic average to say, hey, on average, it, we... And what's what's even worse about all of it is it's not even average about story count or item count. It's an average on relative estimates combined, right? <laughs> that people are making up and a lot of times under pressure to sometimes, you know, get to a certain number or hit a certain velocity because that's even being used incorrectly, whatever. So now you're just taking a practice which is less than ideal in the first place and and compounding it with all kinds of bad things and then trying to forecast based on that with the deterministic answer. Yep. So that would not be thinking probabilistically, basically. Um, no, it, so, yeah. it takes it does not take into account the possibility that you may not achieve that velocity. Right, and it also and doesn't I think, talk about risk as well. Right. Yeah. Typically not. Right. So, um, so yeah. So, so let's, let's step back for a second. Cause you, you use the word Monte Carlo and I don't know if everyone is familiar with that, um, who might be listening. Um, the Monte Carlo method, uh, was, um, basically a scientific algorithm really that was created in the originally in the 1930s, but it was famously kind of formed uh, for the Manhattan project actually. Um, and, Really, it's a way of applying something called the law of large numbers to a small or a relatively small data set and then running randomized simulations, hundreds, thousands, millions, however many simulations you want to run and getting out of all these simulations, how many came out a certain result, right? And then using that to base off probability from. And that's when we say probabilistic forecasting with the Monte Carlo. That's really what we're talking about. Do you have any other other way of explaining it than that. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's just it, Monte Carlo under the hood is basically generating a lot of random samples from a, a distribution. Yeah. And it's looking at uh, it's estimating the, the expected outcome within that distribution. Sure. And so it's just looking at a lot of possibilities, like you said, and it's yeah. saying based off of what we know today, what is the likelihood of, of something like this happening? And right. I, that's really it. And so what's interesting is, uh, and why I think this um, this particular activity is so valuable, is that um, what it does is takes a lot of the emotion out of discussions with stakeholders, mm. right? So I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a, in a well, our velocity was this, and we did the, fine, we need to find a way to squeeze five more story points out of the sprint, go do it. Right. Or that forecast, I mean, and and you just go in the, and, and yes, that's an example of bad management. It's not the fault of the story point, sure. but there is something to be said for a practice leading to an, or encouraging bad, bad behavior. Yeah. Right. Totally you know, what, an example of such a behavior would be uh, sprint stuffing. Mm. Right. Our average velocity is 30 and we've only pulled 20 points of work into a sprint. We've got to fill that gap at 10. Mm. Right. Really poor thinking. Right. If sure. 20 points of work gets your sprint goal achieved, stick with 20 and, and go win. Right. Right. Go Why win. are you stuffing a sprint? But the idea of the bucket holds 30 gallons and we only poured 20 gallons in. Not a great thing. I have um, seen managers walk over to people's plans and say, oh, you need to add 10 more points. Like I have seen that. Right. But I think a lot of that is yeah. emotional. 
Yeah. I think it's we've got to keep everybody as busy as possible, this 100% right. utilization nonsense. And so, you know, getting back to this other idea of Monte Carlo simulation, when we use when we use this type of forecasting and we can say, you know, it's a 95% confidence that March 17th is the date that we can deliver all this, now we create the now we're not arguing about well, it's got to be March 20th. No, that well, well, actually in that case, that would be even more likely. But right. someone can't turn around and say March 1st and we look at it and we go, well, that our simulation is saying 70% confident. Right. So if you accept that, you're accepting a 30% risk that right. this won't occur. Are you good with that? Right. And we're not arguing away from that. The math's it's correct. Right. Now, what you can do is though remove four items from the projected backlog and suddenly now March 1st fits. Yeah. And so it actually creates opportunities to make new and better decisions about the work. It it, it helps us become ruthless about what gets into the sprint or or the iteration or in, in Kanban and your flow system, whatever it is, whatever timelines, time boxes you're using um, or or intervals that you're using. Yeah. But it, it forces the conversation back to the scope because yeah. you're not going to argue with the simulation where a million uh, different scenarios were, were, were calculated. Right. <laughs> or if you want to, fine, but you got to send me an email saying that you're smarter than the math. And then sure. we'll go we'll go forward with your plan. And I don't know an executive on the planet who's going to do that. <laughs> I think that's that's a great you know send send Ryan the email if you got it. Uh, so um, I would love to see it because I yeah. mean that's that's like that's punching your ticket out the door. Sure. Right? <laughs> I mean when that blows up in your face, it's like well here's where you said you know this risk was perfectly fine and uh, that was just reckless. Right. I, it, and the idea is not to stick people. We're not trying to do that. But the idea is we're taking emotion out of the conversation. We're trying to bring it back to something concrete and, and you know, make a new and better decision. Yeah. So I talked about some, one other thing I want to talk about, because I, I always get concerned if I use words that I say something. And I'm not sure everyone knows what it means. Right. Sometimes it's like sure. lingo and things like we use. So one of them, um, when I'm talking about the law of large numbers and why it's important is if, if you ever go into a casino. The reason that casino exists is because of the law of large numbers, right? Like they understand that to a T. So they design things like a roulette wheel or things like their digital games based off of this thing being done 10,000, 50,000, 10 million times, right? And even though you may win nine times in a row, if it just keeps spinning, you will lose, right? That's just the way it works. That's just the way the math works out if you apply a law of large numbers. So what we're trying to do is basically take a smaller data set and not look at it in a vacuum. So for example, if you were looking at a roulette wheel and it came up red nine times in a row, your brain was they're going to think one of two things. Well, the next one is definitely going to be red because it's been red nine times or it's due that it's going to be black, right? That's like the natural you know, way of thinking. But that's only looking at a very limited scope of information, right? And so if you were to simulate that 10 billion times, you would then be able to figure out, oh, like maybe I shouldn't even bet on red or black because it's weighted against me because there's two greens on the board, right? Or things like that, right? So, uh, and those two greens are what makes it in the house's favor long-term, right? Yep. So anyway, um, when, we, when we use things like deterministic answers, like using averages and story points, we're typically only taking a very small data set and not applying the law of large, law of large numbers and assuming that things in the future are going to be like that when that's just an assumption that we have no way of knowing, right? Right. 
So um, how how would one get started, right? With with learning about this, with applying it, yeah. anything like that? So I think first and foremost, um, Dan's work is how you get started. Okay. Go buy the book. Um, check it out. It's a... Uh, it, this is so actually let me give you the free option okay so on the agile for humans youtube channel we've got a series of videos uh that todd uh, todd miller myself and and will seeley recorded called fixing your agile metrics it's a free video series that talks about how to get started with um flow-based metrics okay. right so that's yeah. a great introduction and you could get started tomorrow okay. um the nice thing about flow metrics is basically if you can count you can do this mm. Right there, you're you're counting elapsed time and you're counting number of items, right. and that that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's it's yeah. not very complex to get started. the The number one tip I would give as you start reading Dan's work, you look at our YouTube videos. Again, that's all free. Yeah, uh, the videos that is check those out. Um, they'll get you started. Is that continue to estimate and story points? Hmm. I don't want you to just pull the plug and tell everybody they're stupid. And look, I believe story points are trash, and I believe yeah. it's a terrible practice. Right. That's it's taken me years to get there. Yeah. And so I don't want everyone just upending carts and, you know, throwing people out and we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> what I want you to do is start yeah. tracking these metrics and and use a tool like Actionable Agile or uh, Troy McGinnis has some really good spreadsheets that you can yep. use. That's a free tool. Yeah. Um, and, and so I would highly recommend start doing that alongside your current metrics program. Yep. And then after a period of time, sit down with your leadership and say, look, we've been looking at both things here. Mm. This metric tells us uh, it's a lagging indicator of our capacity. We're not sure this is helpful. We've been doing some simulation over here. And as it turns out, we can get pretty accurate and maybe even, an, dare I say, predictable right. about where things are going. And we'd love to have a conversation about that. And I think that's the wise way to do this. Um, you're still honoring what people are asking for today, but you're giving them an opportunity to make different decisions based off of a, a new type of metric. So first, get educated by Dan's book. Check out the Agile for Humans YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Agile for Humans. Um, get a little, get some education. Start tracking these tools. I think Jira has a lot of these out of the box. Azure DevOps has a lot of these out of the box. Um Actionable Agile sits on top of both of those. I think you mm -hmm. can even do this in Trello without a lot of uh, a lot of effort. Mm. And so get those things going, sit them up side by side with your current program, and see if there's some new enters some new insights getting generated, and and start earning the right to have those conversations with leadership and management. Thank you, Ryan. So I'll, I'll just summarize from what I think I'm hearing. So for the, so the free options are your YouTube channel, yep. um, focusedobjective.com, which is Troy McGinnis's website. I'll put that in the show, the show notes. Yep. Um, and in fact, his original team dashboard Excel sheet, which has all of the flow metrics, I've been using that ever since he released it maybe seven, eight years ago. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and that I use that clients when they don't want to pay for a tool that does it or they don't have the money or whatever. It's like, oh, I'll just put in Excel. I'll just do an export out of Jira or whatever and throw it in this Excel sheet. Um, so those are some free resources paid. Obviously, there's the book, which is maybe around 20 bucks, which is when will it be done? Um, you can attend a class. Um, Ryan and I are both trainers of these things. So yep. uh, I should just disclose that, but you don't have to go to our classes or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, but if you want to learn from us, you're more than welcome to. And I will say my personal favorite free resource, aside from the things that Ryan mentioned already, uh, would be the pocket Kanban pocket guide. So if you go to the um, 
uh, prokanban.org and look at resources, you will find a Kanban pocket guide. And it really talks, it summarizes a lot of the things we're talking about, the, the basic flow metrics. Um, and it talks about probabilities, I believe, and probabilistic forecasting at a very basic level. Um, and if you want to do a deeper dive, you can read the book, When Will It Be Done? So Yeah, you know, it's fun. There's even another free um, resource out there that that Dan and Will Seeley just released called Flow Metrics for Scrum Teams. I read that. It's a good one. So yeah. it's available on the on the Pro Kanban side. I'll even drop a link in the yep. chat for you to put in the show notes. Yep. Um, it's, it's another excellent free resource. So look, there is enough free between... Um, Dan's uh, book with Will, the flow metrics for Scrum Teams, Troy McGinnis's web sh- or, uh, spreadsheets, and the YouTube channel, the the YouTube videos on Agile yep. for Humans. Right, you can you can go incredibly far with that. And then as you get buy in, have your management leadership buy you Dan's book, and and you're off and running. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's there's no excuse not to uh, not to be able to get into the, into this. All you're investing is your time. Right. And uh, I think it's a wise investment. These are some great concepts. Um, Item aging is is probably, we get asked a lot, uh, Todd and I at Agile for Humans, we do, we're scrum trainers. Sure. Right. We do a lot of professional scrum training uh, for scrum.org. And we, one of the most common questions we get asked is, how do we improve our daily scrum? It's boring. People aren't showing up. It's not productive. Item aging. It's such a beautiful metric for the daily scrum. If you want to know why, check out that flow metrics for scrum teams. It's a way to rejuvenate uh, your daily scrum. It brings value to it. People start showing back up. It's a really smart thing to look at. So lots of great stuff here. Lots of free resources. Um, would love to hear your questions, right? So leave some comments on this. And uh, yeah, let's let's get in. It's 2023 now. Uh, story points were great when they were created. Right. You know, look, I look at it like this, Troy, horse and buggy, advanced American commerce, uh, the er, internal combustion engine uh, pushed it even forward. Now we have excellent shipping. The electric uh, vehicles are probably going to continue pushing us forward. And who knows, maybe someday I'll get my flying car. (laughs) Right. But but I don't want to I don't today want a horse and buggy. And that's what you're, and that's what you're using with story points. You're in, you're (laughs) using a horse and buggy. The automobile is here. Jump in, check it out. Flow metrics are great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. How can uh, people reach you and argue with you? If you, if you don't argue with you. Um, At Ryan Ripley on Twitter um, (laughs) is a great place to, if you, you know, if I'm waiting for my son's wrestling practice to end, I'll engage for as long as that takes. Um, youtube.com slash agile for humans we're very active in the comments um you can find me if you google me you can find me everywhere and uh hey engage we love the discussion if you and i if any of you out there want to argue and in the end we get you to flow metrics and away from story points it's a win all right (laughs) well thank you so much ryan uh it's been a pleasure i um really appreciate your time Hopefully people found this interesting and uh, maybe it'll spark some curiosity if, if it's something you're not familiar with. So there is another way, right? So thank you so much.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.